You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 78, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, the Rotoscopers. There is a fifth dimension beyond which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition. And it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the Animation Addicts Podcast. Welcome, welcome, foolish mortals, once again to the Animation Addicts Spooktacular episode. <laughs> I have way too much fun on the Halloween episode <laughs> to that I kick and scream every year so that we can do it and do it my way. <laughs> and uh, so <laughs> today I will be your super spooky host, Mason Smith, animation student extraordinaire. And I'm here with my hosts, Morgan Stradling and Chelsea Robson, my two ghoul hosts, my <coughs> ghouls. Oh, yes, with the thunder tube. Ooh, I'm getting goosebumps. That's How are you doing, guys? Well, I'm doing swell. I'm spectacular. <laughs> very good. That's very good. That's exactly we, the sort of uh, feeling we need on this sort of episode. Right. We have a contract to say the word spooktacular 50 times on this episode. And uh, so spooktacular. Spooktacular. Yes. Spooktacular. Sponsored by spooktacular.com. <laughs> <laughs> if this is your first time on the podcast, just know that this is the Animation Addicts podcast where we three best buddies, um, we sit and we chat about animation. We pick an animated movie to review and to to talk about, to laugh about, joke about, quote, all that stuff. Anything and everything you would talk you would talk with your own animation, you know, fellow animation fans about. Uh, this is what we talk on the Animation Addicts podcast, and so we're super happy to be here. Thank you for joining us. And uh, today uh, we are going to be reviewing a, a Halloween movie. I would say, you know, we, we've done a lot of uh, Halloween themed movies. And so we're we're kind of hard pressed to find some to do now. It's true. I know There's we're going to get a lot of really good ones. I mean, after a couple of years, it's going to be kind of hard. Well, we say this, and now we're going to get a stream of emails with really good suggestions because our fans so. are and listeners are really good about First that. Were Rabbit? That's one that oh. was in our consideration pool. Oh, mate. Yeah. Uh, there's a Winnie the Pooh Halloween movie, I believe. Oh, please. There's Winnie the Pooh. There's a lot more like Winnie the Pooh. I don't know. That's not really what it's called, but <laughs> if I were in charge of naming that film, I would call it Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. That's pretty good. I always like that one short where it had Huey, Dewey, and Louie with the ghosts and whatnot. Ah, yes, and the witch. Yeah, someday we'll do that one. Ooh, and there's that Looney Tunes where Bugs Bunny is getting chased around by the witch. Mm-hmm. And at the end, you know, he outsmarts her and he says something that he always says, like, ain't I a stinker? <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, okay, so there's a lot of them. So we'll, this, the podcast will go on for many in October, uh, many a, a Halloween after this. So d- don't worry, folks. All right, let's move into the main event. Tonight we have a special Halloween treat for you. Uh, We will be reviewing The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. It's a new kind of mania. Motor mania. A mania it was. 
In the tradition of timeless family treasures like Pinocchio and Snow White comes Disney's 11th animated masterpiece, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. What is it? It's the story of two classic characters who prove the greatest adventure of all is making your dreams come true. What have I been missing? Pass the dream along to your family. Come along, we'll go for a jolly ride. Own Disney's The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Now on video for the first time. <laughs> so initially when we were thinking of movies to review, um, this one came to mind, but the only part of it that I wanted to actually do was Ichabod. Not Mr. Toad. Let's be real. I'm, as you will learn, I'm not quite a fan of this movie, uh, but I do like Ichabod. So, but we yeah. got to get through Mr. Toad before we get to Ichabod, even though the <laughs> title of the film is The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, making you think that Ichabod is first. Cool. And then we get to see Mr. Toad, but no, no, no. They save the best for last, and very frustratingly, you have to sit through Mr. Toad. So, the first shot. Apparently, last and the Oregon last was not allowed first. to fast forward when she was young. No, actually. So, what they ended up doing, this was originally one of the packet, the last package film from the Disney era. And for those of you who don't know, the package era of Disney films is during the war. They just didn't have the time, money, or even animators to do feature length films. So, they did a lot of shorts, and they did a lot of these films that were sort of segments together. They packaged it all together and released it as a theatrical film. So The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad was released in 1949, but actually later they ended up splitting these films. Disney itself split the split the movie, um, I believe, even in the 50s or 60s for a re-release, sort of um, part of the, the Disneyland specials that Walt Disney himself did. They split them and put those on, you know, those those shows. Um, and so for the longest time, these films were split apart. And I myself actually have the VHS of The Adventures of Ichabod or, you know, Ichabod Crane. Um, and it's just that movie. And so I never really oh, knew. Cool. This is actually the first time I'd seen The Adventure. Well, I'd actually had seen it a few weeks ago when I did the review of Mr. Toad. But yeah, just recently in the past few years, um, they... Well, yeah, past, you know, decade or so that they, they brought it back and, and put them back together again. But yeah, there was a 1963 theatrical version of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And, uh, so they re-released it just as that. And, um, then that was released in, on VHS in 1990, which was the one that I had. But then also Sleepy Hollow was shown, um, as every Halloween as sort of like this Halloween movie collection that they would do on, um, on TV. So that's why. Right before Halloween Town parts one through four. Yes. (laughs) It was actually a TV special known as Disney's Halloween Treat. Oh, so there you go. Doesn't um at the Disney parks isn't there a like a part a, a like a theme called like Mickey's not so spooky Halloween party yes. or something like that? Mickey's not so scary Halloween or Aww. Mickey's not so scary trick or treat. I have been there. It's such a blast because they close down the park. I believe it's around six o'clock and everyone has to get out unless you have a special ticket. Um, and then you get to go on the rides and there's no line and you get to meet all, you know all the villains come out to party because of course cool. love nighttime. And then this is the one time that adults can dress up in the parks. So, oh, and, and Disney adult fans are the coolest fans because they go all out and they mm-hmm. find really obscure costumes, either from the rides or from, you know, various Disney movies. And so Dude. I geek out just looking at all their characters and because they're good costumes. These aren't costumes you can get off the rack. You know, the red lady from Pirates of the Caribbean. No, no one's selling that. Yeah, you so, gotta send to China for these. 
Uh-huh. Or just get a American seamstress. <laughs> <laughs> no. So. Well, let, let's keep our labor in, in the U.S. <laughs> so, back to uh, The Wind in the Willows and The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. So these films were originally um, developed separately. Um, I know that the, the Wind in the Willows was actually in production for a long time around right after Snow White. They had the idea of making this book, The Wind in the Willows. It was a children's book and convert making it into um, a Disney animated film. And it seemed like a good idea because it had anthropomorphized characters and it fit really well with Disney, who did a lot of that. Um, Disney, however, he was like, eh, I'm not quite sure. It seems a bit corny to quote him, uh, but he got the rights to the book anyway. And then they started working on conver- uh, adapting this. But the problem is uh, it, it ended up just being too short. Um, and then obviously the war happened. And so they they just ended up shelving it. And then they came back to it and just realized that they couldn't really expand it out. And they decided it would be better off as a package film, especially which you will notice in this film because the animation quality is subpar to most Disney uh, theatrical films at the time or standalone theatrical films yeah. um, you know and, and it's just a it's a product of the era and you know the resources that they had but that was one reason why you know disney didn't feel comfortable releasing it separately because it just would have paled in comparison to other things um it was supposed to be a lower budget film like dumbo but ultimately ended up just being packaged with the adventure or the other um, book adaptation, I guess you will, which is The Legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irvine, which I actually just read. I read it on um, audible.com. They actually, if you go to Amazon, you can click our link. Uh, I guess it doesn't really matter if you click our link, but click our link just to be cool. But it's actually free. The entire audiobook, it's newly recorded as of 2014, um, is 100% free right now. So I don't know how long that's going to be there, but I was just Googling it just to see because I wanted to catch up on the story of, of Sleepy Hollow for this movie and for this podcast. And I was able to, um, I rode my bike to work today and it's about an hour and 15 minutes. It's just a short story. So I double speeded that and I was able to listen to it on my ride home and finish it just in time for you guys. So I am now a connoisseur and an expert of anything Sleepy Hollow and Ichabod Crane. Yeah. So that's basically it. Um, I know that this, this, these two films, I guess, I guess it's one film, but this kind of two, um, you, you may know that they have well-known celebrities such as Basil Rathbone, who many people, um, Basil Rathbone is, was a famous actor who people think maybe is one of the inspirations for the Basil of Baker Street. And oh. then obviously in the Legend of Sleepy Hollow section, there's Bing Crosby, who is the narrator and also, uh, sings. And, and the reason these two were cast is because it was supposed to provide, you know, mass appeal. Like you heard these guys' voice and you would flock to the theater, um, knowing yeah. that they were together. But. Yeah, um, the film is relatively well received, and by relatively, I mean ninety-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. You're kidding uh, me. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. We don't have any budget, and we don't necessarily have any box office for it. So yeah, very interesting time. This is actually the first package film that we have reviewed on this podcast. So a little history for you all. Um, I think these films are largely forgotten because they're not a feature length film as we know it now with one single narrative. It's just little, you know, vignettes, as you will. So yeah, what do you guys think of this movie? Had you seen it before? All right. Yeah. Um, I have, I, I remember I had seen parts of them, I guess. I, I remember seeing Sleepy, uh, Legend of Sleepy Hollow or Ichabod Crane or whatever the heck it's officially called when I was young. Um, but this is the first time I had ever like sat down and really like conscientiously watched it, you know. Mm-hmm. 
I like the snazzy opening song. Ichabod and Mr. Toad. <laughs> Sweet song, bro. <laughs> Sweet totally song, bro. Yeah. It's so snazzy. It's very 40s. Well, one of the things that I remember most about this movie is being very young and the fact that it was so obscure. It was one of those movies that I was like, my brother Randy and I were all have always been big animation Disney fans. And it's like one time, do you guys remember when they were doing the, like, um, they, they did like a, a Disney trivia game at McDonald's? And they had a bunch of questions about obscure Disney like obscure Disney movies, and this was one of those. And we were like, "We have never seen this movie. Why haven't we?" And my brother Randy was like, "I totally have. We just don't have it. Like, get it? <laughs> Why don't we have it?" Oh, Randy. <laughs> oh, hearts to Randy. Um, so that was one of my like first moments of watching this movie. And then I remember he did actually find it right when Netflix started, but this was like the old Netflix when it was just DVDs, so it wasn't online at all. And so he just, like, went through, and he was just getting all the DVDs that he could possibly find of old Disney movies, and this was one of the ones that he got. And he was just like, huh, thought it would be better than this. (laughs) Well, I mean, it was good, though. I mean, there's a lot of good things about it, a lot of things that I found, like, I can, I find a lot of good points in it. But it, it definitely didn't have staying power to like watch on a like it the replay value just isn't there the way that you would want it to be but i love the art i love the songs i love even in the mr toad segment i really i like the actual characters of the story and um not so much the toad um don't like him but his friends make you almost like the toad because they love him so much You know, you mentioned the art, and one thing as I was watching it this time, particularly with, uh, you know, I'm always going to just skip over Mr. Toad um, and go right to Ichabod. But I was really captivated with the scenery in that film, um, which I guess I'll talk about when we talk about that film specifically. But it was actually a lot of the concept art was done by Mary Blair. This was kind of right around the time where she she joined Disney was around the package film era. And so you can go online and you can see her concept art that she did. And it there's one of the town that totally matches just the vibe of the town in the film. And when I was watching that, you know, I knew that she had done it, but I'd sort of forgotten. And just visually, I was brought back to Mary Blair. Touch this. That's why it looks so good. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Also, um, Retta Scott Card, who is... Uh, she got a lot of inspiration from Mary Blair, but her pictures and her people are a lot more rounded. And it is pretty much like the embodiment of Disney in my mind. I just, I love that style. This, the faces, the, just the movements, the characterization, the sceneries, everything. Just, I love it. Yeah. And speaking of the art and animation, there's some, you know, pretty big historical Disney names attached to the film. You got Frank Thomas, Ollie Johnston, Fred Moore, and Mark Davis, Disney's Renaissance man. <laughs> and also of Iwerks, or Oob Iwerks, I don't pretend to know how to pronounce his name. And he's a big, big, big Disney name. I think he's, he's got his own credit as like a technical guy or something like that. He, he was always doing innovating like R and, R and D, like special effects kind of stuff for Disney films. And so, it's funny how it's kind of low budget, and yes, the animation is like subpar, but it's still got the usual like Disney gang. I don't know. I can't. I can't judge like the size of like an animation crew from back in the old days because heck, they used to make films with like six or seven people. <laughs> <laughs> Anima- uh, speaking of the animation department, but yeah, I, I noticed that there was a definite 
like there's a definite like difference between the two art styles. Mr. Toad was very like quintessential Disney. Like it's it, it reminded me a lot of like Robin Hood or um, not not necessarily 101 Dalmatians. Maybe the light was more 101 Dalmatians, but um, and then uh, Ichabod was just was very stylized, very I don't know, very like impressionist. Do you think that detracted from your experience that they were different, or you just accepted ah. that they were different? Well, I'm just commenting. I um, I thought the films had two completely different styles, and um, and I I wouldn't compare the two, but I liked to, uh, eh, I don't know, I liked them both equally. I think you know, of course, I'm always going to put the bias on Sleepy Hollow because you know Heaven's Horseman. I mean, come on. True. It was pretty entertaining watching Mr. Toad like dig deeper and deeper <laughs> into his own pile of filth, <laughs> you know, moral moral filth. So the basics of the story for Mr. Toad is just that this guy, he is the eccentric of all eccentrics, and he's he's basically the the rich kid whose parents are all nowhere to be found, but he just inherited a whole bunch of money, inherited a huge house, and yet has no sense of um, duty. Responsibility. Responsibility, yeah. <laughs> and Brains, normal so, mental function. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> um, he's a sociopathic, like, money waster. He's, yeah, and I just, I don't understand it. It's always looking for the next big thing, which, you know, you can see in a lot of, you know, especially in media today. Media is definitely going to be showing a lot of these type of people on, like, as far as um, <clears throat> Bieber. <clears throat> um, but you're going to see a lot of people who maybe just don't know how to deal with their money. It's just, like, given to them at a very young age or whatever, and they just, and they're like, what's next? And bigger and better. Awesome. Um, but I really like, as I mentioned before, he does have three best friends. Um, well, maybe not best friends, but like three people who have his best interest at heart. And that was Mr. That was the the badger. There was the badger. There was the mole, and there was the rat. I didn't. The water really, rat. I didn't really think he looked like a rat, but I mean, whatever. Maybe it's just the mustache that got to me. I really and I liked the the badger. He he was my friend in this one. I felt very akin to him. <laughs> Badger, 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 badger. Yeah, and um, yeah, you know what's scary about this film? It's scary how dumb Mr. Toad is. <laughs> yeah, that's the be- at the beginning, like I'm very frustrated with Mr. Toad because he's just making bad decisions, and then his friends are trying to help him, and I'm sitting here thinking, why, why bother? This guy's a lunatic, and he doesn't care for you. <laughs> As we see at the end, you know, they try to get him out of a pickle and he just goes into the next, you know, whimsy. Very frustrating. I didn't like him at all. It is very frustrating, but, like, I have been in situations where, you know, there's people who are really close to you and then you watch them make really stupid decisions and you're just, like, trying – you could want to do anything you can to be able to help them because you have this – you know, for whatever reason, you love them and you just want to help them. And for them, I think it was like it it talked about how they liked having the house there. It added an air of sophistication and uh, respectability. Like, well, yeah, (laughs) I I like that, too. Um, But I think it's just maybe they just had a kinship with the family and it was just they themselves are part of the family, seeing themselves there. Like when you grow up with somebody or you watch somebody grow up, you have more of a tie to them and don't want them to like screw their lives up. So, you know, I could, I could, it could be deep. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, best friends, in other words. <laughs> you know what else is frustrating with this film is how I can't hear anything. Okay. Like I, 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 I didn't, it's not like I watched a bad version. I watched the Amazon Instant Video, and I, I couldn't the, understand a lick of what they were saying. I watched the Blu-ray, and very frustrating to me, and I think this is why I have such a hard time with this movie, is I can't understand. And I, I know that it's not the audio because it's been restored, and they like pride themselves that they restored the audio for this. And I'm like, wow, I wonder how bad it was. <laughs> but I I was sitting here and I'm trying to think and like uh, why is this so bad is it just kind of just the way that they recorded back in the day but I have no problem with other older Disney films and I think really it comes down it's the accents it's just really thick British accents that maybe aren't so mainstream and it gets a bit muddy for me because I'm not trained in in hearing that and it's basically like a non-American who speaks English trying to uh, hear someone from the South you know, the American South. Like, I, I have fran- friends from France, and they literally cannot understand someone speaking that way, um, which they've told me. And I'll tell you what. Hilarious. Yeah, exactly. It's just a different dialect that just is hard to pick up on, and I felt exactly the same for this. I really had to focus, and even when I was focusing, I was like, blah, 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 blah. Just like that. I didn't have much of a problem with it. Maybe that I was just in England that soon, not long ago, so I couldn't remember the accent. I didn't have that much of a problem with it, though. I feel, yeah, I'm okay. Yeah. So apparently this is a Disney universe where animals and humans just live together and don't, and there's no like, oh, whoa, we're animals. Oh, whoa, you're humans. (gasps) (laughs) I like this universe. Yeah. I liked it. I thought Mm -hmm. it was kind of funny when the mailman, hello. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. What are you, what is a human doing here? But all, I notice all the humans are like the judges and they actually oh, do stuff in that law society. Enforcement. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Trigger happy much. Is that what, what are the, the themes that they're trying to put forth here? What are humans in this? Uh, segregation, oppression. Just kidding. I, did, I don't think that's what they're trying to do. They're not lower class. They're just different. They're just humans. Yeah. 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 All right. That's cool. Yeah. So, um, we get our first, of course, there's like, you know, it's like, oh dear, we're going to have to close Toad Hall if Mr. Toad keeps spending frivolously around, you know, and then we finally meet Mr. Toad and he's just on his jalopy or whatever. It's, what is it called? Like a, a Chinese cart or something like that? Uh, I don't know. His yellow cart. <laughs> Apparently there's a horse who doesn't mind doing a horse's work. Cyril. You know, yeah, Cyril. Hey, that's one horse that we missed. It is. Cyril yeah. Crabblossom. I'll tell you, Governor. It's your motor car. <laughs> Melly, Melly, Melly. Uh, I liked him, but at the same time, it was like, you're one of those friends that are just horrible. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Cyril is is almost as bad as Toad. Enabler. Yeah. Enabler. Enabler. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's your grandma. <laughs> yeah, it's a disguise, eh? Yeah, Governor. <laughs> oh, good times. Um, yeah, when I'm sitting there thinking I'm Mr. Toad, I guess we've already passed this section, so whatever. We'll, I'll bring it up later. Yeah, do what you gotta do. No, do it, because I want to go into this part. So, okay, going to, to Mr. Toad and just his complete disregard for 
money reality. and you know his friends are having to like manage his bills and his creditors it just makes me think of the scripture you know and to me this is why the best poli- policy is to be debt free and to always strive to be debt free uh, hashtag Dave Ramsey plan <laughs> uh where then the and the scripture goes the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender proverbs 22:7 and whether you're christian or not that is good advice it's 100% true and but he doesn't seem to care he has a lot of uh debtors and he's slave to them but he's just willy-nilly but uh when they open the door and there's all the creditors outside that part gives me anxiety <laughs> I know I, I was driving to work today because I, I had to watch most of this movie before I went to work and I was driving to work thinking about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this movie, it just makes me want to like have a financial plan, make sure that I'm not going to be like ending up in a jail somewhere. <laughs> and I'm like, I consider myself very frugal and very Debtor's prison. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Uh, but like uh it's one of those things that's been like pounded in my head like stay out of debt don't do that oh yeah so i think his name is mac badger so mac badger is pouring over like all these bills and expenses and it's like light post destroyed sidewalk destroyed building <laughs> destroyed and um it's not until you really see mr toad uh, until you understand all this property damage like I don't know if any any of our listeners have ever played the game Grand Theft Auto, but if you do enough crime in that game and you cause enough destruction, you get to rack up a, a ranking. And if you get four or five stars, well, you're in pretty deep manure and the military is coming after you. And it's hard to achieve that. Well, that's what Mr. Toad does every day, apparently, <laughs> in his freaking flying jalopy. Did you see when he just plowed through an entire glass greenhouse? Yeah. He just destroyed it. What is his problem? <laughs> no wonder by the end, when he hijacks an entire train, the police are, like, shooting to kill at that point. <laughs> they want a dead frog. Um, but, yeah, and, and he's he's got this – there's got to be some sort of mental disorder where you just – you have to live on the edge all the time. You have to – you have to – it doesn't – you don't matter – it doesn't matter how much in debt you are. You just want to have fun and live on the edge. And then when you see something that tops that, like an iPhone 6, for example, <laughs> or a Mautica – then, then you go all crazy. He gets in. He, I love his little the start of his like mania. He like floats out of his collar. You know, his head's all country. Like, and they're like, he he hasn't. He he mustn't. He is and he has. It's a new mania. Mania. <laughs> mania. That it was. They have mania. to lock him up in his house. That it was. Oh, uh, Toad's reaction to the motor car is, it's priceless. I love it. I've actually seen it a million times on Disney Seen It because it's one of like the little movie clips that you get. His friends tried lecturing him, but it's no good. Yeah, I mean, for real, he, that's the type of, you know, be a good friend, let him get arrested and go to jail. He needs to learn his lesson, school of hard knocks. David Ramsey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's, well, he, he does need to learn and, and his friends, I don't know. I don't think his his friends were out of line with anything that they did. You know, they tried the best that they could. Apparently, you're supposed to lock people up. Menace to society. Menace to society. Well, do you do you see the the price of avarice here, listeners? Like he wanted a motor car so badly that he got he got stuck he got like swindled into a swindly deal with a guy named Winky and a bunch of a pack of weasels. If you Disney 101 if you see a weasel go the, go the other way don't don't ever talk to a weasel 
Oh, also, Marge. never, also, never smile at a crocodile. Um, weaseling out of things is very important to learn. It's what separates us from the animals, except the weasel. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good quote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, but you you never do you never get into a deal with weasels in the Disney universe. Toad must have known better, but he wasn't in his right mind. And uh, I love the weasels; those those guys are amazing. They're just so weaselly. It's I love scary. how uh, the the car opens. You know, the door opens. And it's just black inside, and there's like fifty little eyeballs. And then <laughs> I love th- th- both these films have pretty good gags. There's some pretty good physical humor, especially when they're um, they have to get the deed from the weasels at the end, and they're like fighting over it. Um, but uh, you know, all the gags with the weasels. You know, he he looks around the court. He he you know he there's the lookout on the porch, and then his head swoops around, and his body like catches up with him like a second later. That's so good. I love all that old stuff. Basically, one of the biggest lessons I learned while watching Mr. Toad. Is do not be overzealous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thou shalt not covet. <laughs> thou shalt not be a moron. Uh, I tack that one on as number eleven. Just call the people who write wrote the Bible anyway. Because um, you'll because you'll land in jail. Yeah. You'll go to jail. Don't get out of jail free, and um, no one no one will help you. Well, Mister Toad's he's he's almost got it. He's got two key witnesses that are that are going to help him out. It's uh, there's um. His horse. Zero problem. So he procures. Okay, first of all, I love the attorney for the prosecution. He's like this boisterous guy. He's like, no more questions, you know. <laughs> Once again, that's. I mean, you throw in the humans is all part of the all part of the like judge, jury, trial, law enforcement. Everybody else is just normal. What's funny is that besides the main characters, nobody else is an animal. Is it? Isn't that true? Um. Yeah. Yeah, basically. I mean, they, they the film talks about the animals having their like own part of the of the county or the countryside because uh-huh. it says they were they were very proud of Toad Hall, you know, mm-hmm, and how pretty mm-hmm. it was and how good it made their neighborhood look like. So, um, I just think it was weird that all the main characters are animals. That Why didn't they just make them human, like in? Well, in because literature. the book. This is based on the book, you know. So you got to take it back to true. the original author. But this is, you know, the characters that are this the is, main characters in the film are also in the book. This is like years after Animal Farm, when uh, humans <laughs> and animals have coexisted for quite some time now. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Probably good. And so, Mister Toad has got these amazing key witnesses. Um, uh, apparently in, in British court, I don't, I'm not sure, but you're supposed to speak in rhyme <laughs> when you in, appear in court because that, uh, that limerick or that poem by, uh, by Cyril was just so heartwarming. It was. And then in comes freaking Winky. You never trust a man who has a mustache on his forehead. Winky is creepy. Yeah, truer words have never been said. He deserves a comeback as a Disney villain. Seriously, evil, he should have been grin. in. He should have been in Wreck It Ralph as the Tapper guy. I'll let you well, take that. Well, Your Honor, he <laughs> sold me a stolen motor car. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. And it, it, sh- it shows everybody panicking in the courtroom, and Winky's just sitting there with this devilish grin on his face. <laughs> I love how I love how Toad almost got away with it. Like he he buttered up the court so bad that even the judge was shaking hands with wanted the honor to shake hands with Winky, you know, <laughs> the paragon of truthfulness and lawfulness apparently. And and so the whole the whole court is in is in shambles. The, the trial is is overthrown. And I love the montage of um of the newspapers, you know, extra extra, Mister Toad goes to prison or whatever. Um, did you guys read the 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 news headlines? 
in this montage? Not the Not- other ones. Oh my gosh! The power of the pause button. Um, <laughs> I don't know if these were like written by the by the art department or if they were just copied and pasted from actual newspapers, but I don't know if these are subliminal messages or something or this is just how they did the news back then. But some of the headlines are pretty wacky, um, actually pretty morbid. Here's one. I'm gonna list. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say a list of some of the headlines I saw. <clears throat> Girl's body exhumed. Village murder case development. Pretty good. Rated G. Storm in Puerto Rico reports indicate estimate of 200 dead too low. <laughs> Lightning bolt kills two, hurts several others. Meteorite falls near baby. What <laughs> <laughs> the heck is going on in Britain? <laughs> Chinese pi- Here's a new one. Chinese pirates kill two Britons. <laughs> and the last one, Belgian ship sinks in storm, only one of crew picked up. <laughs> Horrible things are happening. (laughs) Isn't that weird? Why did they put those in there? To kind of subliminally, like, tack down the bad feeling? Like, the conflict in the film? Also, if you notice, if you (laughs) notice... Also, if you notice the, um, the news about Mr. Toad starts out on the first, on the front page of the newspaper. Mm-hmm. But by the time they go through the montage, you know, he can't get a retrial. They keep throwing out the case. He's down to the tiniest bottom right corner of the last page of the classifieds of, um, the British newspaper. Yep. I noticed that one. I liked that taste, that take on it. Yeah. It's like nobody cares anymore, but hey, it's there. Yeah. Um, this was one of the, the two times in the film that I thought the movie was ending, but it actually wasn't. I thought it was going to end with that and be like, and that's why you don't covet. <laughs> a little arrested development for you. Yeah. Um, but then it's Christmas time. There's more to the story. Oh, wait, wrong movie. What? That's from Lady the Tramp. Oh, Love man. that song. That's a good song. Yay, Christmas. Christmas is great unless you're in prison, Confucius, <laughs> Confucius say. But you know what's, you know what's frustrating furthermore is that Mr. Toad almost repented of his evil doing, of his covetiveness and his, you know, his frivolity. Mm-hmm. And then who comes in? His supposed best friend, who also pulls, is his mode of transportation. Uh, Cyril just shows up. He's like, eh, I'm your grandmother, Mr. Toad. And, uh, he gets him to, it's like, I think the narrator even talks about how Mr. Toad was repentant until, until Cyril came in and then he just got back to his nasty ways. He's a bad influence. He's that type of friend that makes you, like, yeah, just be worse. He's escaped from prison. Like, if this was Grand Theft Auto, you'd be at three stars already. (laughs) And, um, and like, I just don't get it. I just don't get Mr. Toad. Well, my, well, the part that I didn't really get was when they finally he makes it back to uh the mount where he makes it back to the rats and the mole's house and he's well the mole is just so like good hearted and oh look dude aren't you afraid of the police? <laughs> oh the police <laughs> and everyone that's when, you know, Badger is actually at the door. But um it's just yeah, the I don't know. I yeah, I basically the same thing. I don't get Mr. Toad either. But when they finally do make it back to Toad Hall because of course he's, you know, in the right. Um I it just it was really funny to see them against the weasels. I enjoyed that part. Well, that part was great, but I'm going to let you finish to quote Kanye. But um first, uh I like the part where 
Um, okay, first of all, they're chasing him around, and then uh, I like when he's like, "Oh, excuse me, Mister Officer," and he like drops the ball and chain. He's like, and the guy's like, "Oh, madam, you've appeared to drop your." <laughs> so funny. And then he goes and hijacks a train. By this time, he's at four or five stars on Grand Theft Auto, and the police are are shooting to kill. And then the part where he where he falls into the lake and he can't get out. Um, I thought. I was expecting the movie to end there <laughs> again. Actually, I kind of would have preferred it if he had just gone to his watery grave. But anyway, um, <laughs> it taught us all a lesson. <laughs> and that's why you don't hijack trains. And then, uh, but he somehow gets out. I wonder if there's like a conspiracy or there's like a thing where that was the ending of the of the segment, but they demanded like a, a happier ending. I don't know. But um, apparently the weasels have taken over. Here, here's my question: The weasels got Toad Hall, but did they inherit all the debt? No, they just they're just squatters. Yeah, they're just they're just living on the land. And the squatters, <laughs> um, yeah, a whole pack of weasels and they've been led the bottle. They've been hitting the bottle, <laughs> and uh, they're led by none other than Winky. Didn't see that coming. Oh, what? Well, he was a bad guy. Whoa, what a twist! <laughs> hey, it was the forties. Yeah, it was. Guy with two mustaches. Or he's also had some amazingly awesome films, so. Yeah, yeah. But like Chelsea was saying, I love the, the comedy and, and like the physical gags during the chase sequence. Did you notice that, um, they recycled some of that animation for the Jungle Book? No. I mean, I'm sure I've seen a post about it where they, you know, side by side comparison. Yeah, yeah. The, the whole paper, the deed snatching thing, you know, it's like, He's running, and oh, then the other guy uh, runs it, and then he stops, and he gets hit on the cl- hit on the head with a club, and the other guy grabs it. You know, oh, I yes, mean, be- before Mister Toad makes all the paper airplanes, like all that stuff is like straight out of Jungle Book. But be- but that's because Jungle Book copied uh, Ichabod Mister Toad. I don't mean to say that it was the other way. Yeah, all ends well, basically. It does. And, um, you know, then we close the book. That's one thing we didn't talk about. This has the classic storybook opening. You know, we switch from, you know, it talks about the different various classics in literature, and then it goes to this, The Wind in the Willows. And then, yeah, yeah so at the very end, I love the narrator. is like, when we speak of fabulous characters, the most fabulous of all, to me at least, must be the master of Toad Hall. And I just thought his excessive use of the word fabulous was fabulous. Crazy. <laughs> but uh, I, I do believe that the most fabulous Disney character is Scar, but Mr. <laughs> Toad's cool, too. I liked the fact that they used this whole thing as a storyteller moment and how both movies are more on that in that vein um but definitely as our favorite parts come up this next one is the best so ichabod crane comes up and then uh we get bean crosby who is the narrator and um bean Bean crosby's voice is just the epitome of class Mm -hmm. and christmas yes i love being like he's the moment he starts it's it's hard not to hear Bing. I guess it's really hard not to think that's Bing Crosby. But it's so fantastic that it is him. And throughout the whole thing, I love his narrating voice. I love his acting, as it were. Um, just how he, like, laughs along with things and just tells the story so animatedly. He's great. There's no better yeah. person than Bing. No better. Yeah. And he's, yeah, he is a great uh, narrator and it, it really works because he's such a famous, like, iconic voice. And uh, the film has so little dialogue, I realized, watching this. It's it's a lot of, you know, character acting with mm-hmm. the animation and a lot of body language and, and 
you know, facial cues that you have to pick up on, uh, which is really the, the, the strong point of the film up until like the last um, eight minutes or so, you know, with the, when the headless horseman comes out and then the production value just, just gets crazy cool. Yeah. You know, lots of good lighting and, and, you know, light effects uh, with the, the headless horseman. And so I liked this segment a lot. I thought it was, I thought it had a really funny story. Yes. And let's, let's, let's talk about Ichabod Crane. What, what a complex guy. Yeah. And well, I can uh, give my insight from the book, but you, you go first. Okay. Yeah, I, I read the book long ago, but I haven't recently, so sorry. But it's just weird that such a, mm, just like a not hunky guy. I, okay, I, I do understand it. it I, I, I think his character is just so funny and quirky because he's not very attractive, and yet he has this power over women, and he's such a ladies' man um, mm-hmm. that it's it's so funny. And it's funny to watch him because he actually has a legitimate shot for Katrina. And, yeah. Um, Although my my theory is that she's just so flaky that she would have nah she she would have never chosen between the two one of them had to have been eliminated because that's just who she is. I think she well, was just playing both of them. Like I think she was always okay. in to the other guy, but he she was just trying to push him along and just trying to play the game. Which I so, mean, she plays the game well. <laughs> in the book, she actually. Um, likes Brom more, but she's just sort of playing Brom, just, you know, with his heartstrings by being interested in Ichabod, but she's not necessarily ever interested in him or will ever choose him in the end. Yeah. Oh, man. So it's more of a tragic yeah. tale for all Ichabod. Yeah, poor guy. You know, Ichabod's funny because he's He's this guy who all the girls are swooning over, at least in the movie, and he's the pedagogue, which I love in the book and in the movie. They use that word. They don't refer to him very often as Ichabod. They refer to him as the pedagogue, and the pedagogue is basically a teacher or one who teaches. Um, and so well, it's a new te- guy. It's a teacher who excessively is concerned with minor details and rules or displaying academic learning. <laughs> Use it, wear it out. You like stealing you had that off the top of your head, huh? No, I went and looked it up because I was like, what the crap is a pedagogue? <laughs> <laughs> so I went and looked it up because this movie had so many great words just throughout the song. I just, it was great. So pedagogue was one right. of those. How- they use it twice. And yeah, and how Katrina is a coquette. Yes, coquette was the other one. They used both of those uh, words twice. And I was co- like, I need to know what these words mean. Coquette is a lipstick that Jacqueline Hill uses all the time, and I want to buy it. <laughs> oh, brother. My girl crush. Anyway, um, yeah, you know, I think that goes back to the source material because as I was listening to the book this uh, basically two hours ago, uh, obviously pedagogue and coquette uh, sparked my interest. There were lots of other um, fine word choices that that was in the book in Washington Irving's short story. And it like really made me miss that we don't have such a robust vocabulary to talk so, you know sophisticatedly as we did back then mm-hmm. but alas yeah ichabod crane's weakness is definitely food mm-hmm. like the fact that he engages in classroom disciplinary corruption because <laughs> he looks into their lunch pails and he, <laughs> he wants to be invited over for dinner uh and he also is prone to stealing food um quite the pickpocket he uh he he can eat a whole slice of cake whole like no problem reminds me of me when i was in high school slash still and um so the food thing but also the the ladies thing it's just so weird i I mean i shouldn't judge because it is not the outside that counts but on the inside he seems kind of greedy 
Oh, yeah. Because he definitely well, feeds off of society. Well, he has a good profession. That's another thing as well. Um, you know, in the book, it talks about how he has a modest, you know, living situation. And maybe that's the, the reason why girls are into him. Um, I know he's, you know, he's definitely into Katrina because he goes and he has dinner or lunch at her house. And then he starts realizing oh. all of the amazing estate that he could, this could have. And he's like, I, I'm okay with where I'm at. Like I live very comfortably, but imagine all the things I could do with this money, which is so funny because he's a little scoundrel. Like what a gold digger. He really is. There, there really is no purely virtuous character in this, in this segment. Brom Bones is a jerk. We'll get to him in a second. Ichabod's kind of chumpy. And then, ugh, Katrina, don't even get me started. Like, I, I guess I get it. She holds all the leverage, you know? Yeah, she really because does. <laughs> she, she, there is, they have nothing to offer her, maybe, probably. Well, I, Brom I don't Bone, know. He's just like, and so he's I part guess... of the gang that just hangs out and, like, passes the beers around. Like, this is. Right. She had, Brom has, has no, redeeming qualities except that he's society. just the big guy but apparently it's gonna work out because i mean i'm not against that i mean it does work out sometimes but it's just <laughs> like come on people he, well, he's like playing tricks he's so mean to ichabod and it bothers me you know and i know ichabod's not perfect but uh and, Ich- and ichabod does get uh, one over on Brom at the same time, which is great because oh, they never actually win. Other. Yeah, eventually Brom wins in the end, but um, doesn't he remind you of like a version one Gaston? <laughs> yes. No one shoots like Brom Bones. No one spits like Brom Bones. No one's chin <laughs> is incredibly thick as Brom Bones. I can a carry a bunch of parcels at once. <laughs> it's funny that he he's apparently so brawny and strong, and he can carry all that luggage, but so can Ichabod. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. I don't know. Cartoon physics of, of the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the whole town is super excited that Ichabod's coming, and then, of course, Brom Bones tries to screw with uh, Ichabod. and I like the music lesson. Teaching uh-huh. him to sing, and then Ichabod is singing the, you know, so funny. And then he, he goes up to the high note, and, and then the ladies are just, <laughs> oh, so steel, yes, so disposable. <laughs> so in the book, he actually was, that was his, uh, another profession that he had, is he was the, the sing, singing instructor, and he actually, uh, initially was teaching Katrina, and that's how he first was introduced to her, but she's not one of the, the ladies. But during that scene, like, I, it's so bizarre that they all faint and swoon, and then, mm, no big deal, just gonna eat a salad with a spoon with all these, uh, You're just ladies. unconscious. <laughs> and someone tweeted me, I, I posted a picture of that yesterday, cause I was, um, doing the thumbnails for the episode, and I tweeted that because I just thought it was hilarious. And someone's like, yeah, actually, apparently that was based on an experience Bing Crosby had in Palm Springs at a party. Like, what? What? So a bunch of ladies are passed out and they were eating salad. What? <laughs> I don't know. I needed to do a little bit more research hmm. on that, but I'm intrigued. Uh, you would have had to been there. <laughs> so Katrina shows up and she's just, it's not like she's not used to all the male attention. Let's just say that. And it's not like she doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. She's like the femme fatale of this movie. Well, she's the daughter of the wealthiest guy in town. So, of course, when you're the wealthiest, you know, daughter of the wealthiest guy, you're also the most beautiful. Of course. Obviously. <laughs> but uh, that's another reason. It's like, oh, well, maybe it's I can uh, marry into the money. But she's so extremely, ex- extremely flirtatious with everyone. 
Uh, but her character design just makes me happy. Like, I just love it so much. Redis, um, as we were talking about before, you know, this was just very much of a Mary Blair and just the shapes of it. I love her dress. I love her, uh, even in the song, it's like she was plump. <laughs> I was like, yeah, she kind of is. But she's just like got that figure eight thing, but it just, mm. she's just, I love it. I love it so much. She, yeah. she uh, was actually animated by Mark Davis, and Mark Davis, he was known, he first was brought to the studio, like we mentioned in our Sleeping Beauty episode, for he was brought for his animals and then later transitioned into leading ladies and then later to villains. But So this was during his leading ladies era, and she yeah. was one of them. She kind of reminded me a little bit of Cinderella, like an old school Cinderella. Oh, but, but definitely not as nice and virtuous. Definitely not. No. Mm. Yeah, and so uh begin the rivalry courtship between Ichabod and Brom Bones because Ichabod was the only one who would go head to head uh against Brom Bones as far as uh winning Katrina's hand, you know? And he's just dreaming about her. He's totally <laughs> head over heels for her. I, I love, love that contraption. That scene. I love that contraption he made at the schoolhouse where he's got the fake gloves on the book yeah. and the hat and he's just daydreaming about Katrina. I love, yeah, that scene just where he takes the the little cloud pillar of her and pulls it to him. I always loved that as a child. That It's funny, like I watched this movie a lot growing up, and so there was just certain scenes that really stood out to me, and I just remember liking, and that was one of them where he takes it and kisses it. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. And then... um you know, Ichabod sees her and he's like, oh, allow me, madam. And it does, he does the coat thing. Yeah. Like, I, what? I, yeah, it, it was really nice of him to do, but at the same time, he ruined his coat. And at the same time, if you look at the little, like, river puddle, if they just would have gone five feet, you know, backwards. Oh, no, 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 no. Cartoon rules, Morgan. They could have just crossed very easily and not had to worry about dirtying the coat, but. <laughs> yes, yeah. but then Cartoon- you wouldn't have been able to show off like you did. Cause that's, you know, that's a moment where you can show off. I am willing to do this, to sacrifice my coat for the damsel in distress. She's just gonna step it, step it on it, and the mud is just gonna seep through the coat. Anyway, yeah. I don't see the point never... in it. Although I, I am, I am chivalrous, just as my wife, and but I would, I she even she would, she would fuss about the coat. She'd be like, <laughs> "What are you doing?" And and it's okay, it's it's all good because Ichabod gets a hanky out of it. You know, I wish women still gave their handkerchiefs to guys that they like. It would make things so much easier. You could totally bypass the whole like dating guessing game. Totally. Anyway, Katrina's terrible. <laughs> Man, a lot of hate for Katrina today. I don't, well, she's terrible. Why can't she just? I thought she was. Oh, I, I, I guess. I guess what I don't like her is because she doesn't choose anyone. None of her choices are good. Like she's got Ichabod or or Brom Bones. Well, I mean, in her defense, there's not a lot of choices. <laughs> yeah, you got a bunch of generic-looking guys, so all kind of the same. <laughs> no, not Disney generic guys. <laughs> And I mean, come on, girls gotta have standards. You gotta have somebody that just like strikes your interest. And at that point, it's like there's generic doesn't do it. Yeah, yeah. And so um, we get some get some mayhem with trying to push each other out of the way, trying to get Katrina. And then um, both of them are cordially invited to attend a frolic. I haven't attended a frolic in years. <laughs> and you're missing out. Oh man, Fo- fear of missing out, FOMO. But anyway, so we're at the dance, and it's the classic classic example of two guys trying to get the same girl at the dance. And one of them gets the idea of getting the 
not-so-Katrina-ish girl to dance with him so that they can switch, and it, ugh. That part was kind of annoying. Really? I loved this part. This is one of my favorite parts of the movie is really? the dance. Oh, my gosh. Oh. The, 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 com- the comely lady's constant giggling got on my nerves. <laughs> uh, I always felt bad for her. Yeah, I it's like the- poor Brom completely uses her just to, you know, yeah, I don't know. It's like, come on, Brom. Chummy girls like dance partners too, you meanie head. <laughs> oh, what a meanie head. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but good- Katrina uses, Katrina uses Ichabod too. Well, yeah, it's true. So everybody's no, just using it. And, you know, Ichabod's using Katrina as well. So, I mean, everybody's happy. Family. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody gets what they want. Kind of, I guess. Uh, we'll see. But anyway, and then uh, we get into uh, ghost stories. And this is where the, this is where the, the um <laughs> the movie starts getting really good because uh, we find out that Ichabod Crane is very superstitious. Yes. And, very uh, superstitious. So Brom Bones uh busts out his Bing Crosby singing voice and sings about the headless horseman because <laughs> he can't uh, talk sense into a guy without a head. I don't know. I I only saw this once and I, I'm not much for memorizing songs like that. But kind of a snappy, snazzy little little tune for the headless horseman that song Doesn't seem like I, such a bad guy i always get it confused with putting on the ritz it's like dressed up like a million dollar trooper I, yeah, I there like are a lot of songs on this movie that i i wish i've had i loved this soundtrack as i was listening i'm like man i'm a horrible disney playlist fan because i don't think i have any of these so i will be Amazon.coming it with rotoscopers.com slash Amazon and purchasing because Hello. they're amazing. They're you can awesome. also find these on iTunes. So yeah, Ichabod is getting increasingly out of his mind thinking about the horrific headless horseman. <laughs> and, um, good and move then, on Rob's part. Yeah, Brom Bones, for how dim witted he is, he really got smart with this. Play on his fears. And he's playing for keeps now. Yeah. Because what happens in, in the next, like, couple of minutes is this pure spooky excellence. Like, this must have, this must have been where they got Ub, Ub Iwerks in to do, like, lighting and, and stuff. But don't quote me on that. Because the, the lighting for this spooky sequence is just great. It is great. And what's, what's, what's awesome about the sequence is that it, the horror element or, like, the scary element, le- like, it has a big lead up mm-hmm. up until you actually see the 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 man himself you know because yeah, for a while Ichabod's stumbling around the woods like he's Snow White and uh, trying to get his horse to go faster. Oh, that darn horse! You know, it's funny in the in the book it's talked about how the it goes a lot into detail about his horse, how his horse is like a really stubborn horse, but it was really at one point in time a really great horse and really fast and ferocious and you know had a stubborn owner with feistiness and still sort of had those characteristics, but you know, it's just a downtrodden plow horse nowadays and so really not very helpful, but was able to I don't know, I can't remember if if um Ichabod purchased him or borrowed him, but yeah, that that's the horse. That's the horse, of course. I would like to put, just put it out there that the moment when Ichabod Crane like freaks out and he like jumps on the front of the horse and the horse is running and he's like almost trying to like pull him faster. Yeah, jumping on the jumping out in front of the horse and holding onto the neck, hanging from the neck is the best way to actually stop a horse. Just in case you ever get on a horse and who won't stop, um, what you do? You wrap your arms around the neck, hold on very tight, uh, swing your legs around and up, up, throw them up toward your like chest, and it stops the horse dead in its tracks. Morgan, did I ever teach you that? 
Yes, you did. Yes, it's true. And they've just like sit down. Wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't the, I mean? Wouldn't you just stop because <laughs> Achilles sit? But yeah, um, <laughs> or Achilles heel. Um, but yeah, um, wouldn't you just wouldn't you just get thrown off a horse at that point? That'll stop you. Well, yeah. I mean, you obviously know a little bit about horses, Chelsea. So I, I well, no, but that, it was you, just but... really funny because, mm. like, as as he's as I'm watching this part, I just I've seen myself, I've felt myself do this on horses that just have stopped and like won't obey because there's horses out there that just won't obey. Um, so yeah, you that's the best way to get a horse to stop is because they they don't know what to do if they have something pounding up. Like we we will walk if something is hitting on our on our knees as we walk forward but we know if what it is and then we stop generally because we're like what is that stop that and also it's just like hanging on your neck like it's just a very uncomfortable position for a horse so they always stop huh a little horseology 101 for you you know i just thought i'd throw that out there make sure everybody learns something today (laughs) yes this sequence is amazing and okay spoil i'm gonna fish for a spoiler here morgan in the book do they do they say who it was? Oh, okay. So this is interesting. So in the book, um, it doesn't say who it is, and they kind of imply that it's one of three things. Well, first off, in the book, um, the headless horseman is actually holding his head. Um, he's not only headless, but he has his head right there with him, which kind of makes you think, hmm, like that's... Is it his real head, or is it his it doesn't, pumpkin head? It doesn't go into detail what it is. It just said his head. And then later oh. says that they found his, you know, his satchel and, and later his hat next to a pumpkin. Um, so there's, there's that. And then, um, there's another thing. So they, they mentioned that later Katrina and him and Brom get married. And then anytime, because this town is, they don't really go into it in the, the, the short, but they're really superstitious. Like everybody in this town is superstitious, believes in these old wives tales. Um, and so they talk about this all the time, um, so much that the schoolhouse was completely deserted. They believed it was haunted by his, re- you know, the ghost of Ichabod. Oh, his melancholy spirit. Yes. And so they shut down the, te- the schoolhouse and they have to held it somewhere else and get a new schoolmaster, obviously. But anytime that Brom hears the story, they, the exact quote, I don't remember. It was basically like he perked up as if he knew something. Uh, something more than anyone else. And then also he gave a hearty chuckle anytime anyone mentioned the pumpkin. Um, like, you know, like he was inside, you know, it was an inside job or something. Yeah. So it doesn't say, and then it goes to say, but the old, old maids of the town or the old wives, they believe that it really was a spirit and they were the most trustworthy of all. It's like, okay, well, you didn't really right. give it a very clear understanding of who this was. So it's left very ambiguous. So the question is, who do you think it was? Was it really a headless horseman or was it Brom? Oh, it was totally Brom. Oh I goodness. think it's Brom. <laughs> well, I think it was too. But what's what's a little disturbing is that um, during the, the chase sequence, maybe it was just Ichabod like magnifying the terror because of the state he was in. But uh, the headless horseman was not just trying to scare him in that sequence. He was mm-hmm. going for murder. Yeah. And uh, so that presents a darker side of Brom Bones if it was really him in the in the horse. Um, but yeah, um, very curious, very curious. And of course, the great climax where he chunks the flaming pumpkin head at him. Yes, oh, it's great. It is good. So also in the book, it mentions how Ichabod 
um, they thought he died, but then later someone went to another town a few towns over and, you know, they're like, no, Ichabod's still alive. They claimed that Ichabod was still alive, that he started study, he was teaching there, started studying law, became a justice, and then became a high-ranking official in the town. So, but he just had to rid himself of sleeping. <laughs> Sheriff Hollow. Ichabod. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, well, good for him. And then, and, and then in the film, it, it shows him, shows him, you know, he's happily married with about 10 kids and, and he's got a huge table full of food. And so I honestly thought that that was just a cop out of like, let's not make this super scary for the kids. He's okay, kids. No worries. This is just a bad yeah. dream. Yeah. I was like, no, 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 no. He died. <laughs> he died and it was Braum that killed him. Oof. I think you really been, think so? Sheesh. It was I more true that. to the book where it kind of went into his history, but I would have loved it just to have ended right there, to leave you wondering. You did say it is a kind of a cop out. Right. Yeah. Because this yeah. really is like yeah, a Yeah, story great wise, it, it would have been great. Yeah, this really is a great Disney horror film in a way. Ooh. It's, it's so good. Okay, so collectively, what do you rate the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad? I'm collectively, I'm going to give it three stars. It's good enough to watch and it's good enough to make sure that you see at least once. Um, but it, I'm not sure if I would need to watch it all the, like every, meh, I, I don't really need, necessarily need to watch it every year, but you could, it wouldn't be bad. Make sense? Yes. Yes. Well, it's hard to rate these collectively because I imagine them just as separates. I mean, I give, I've been ranting and raving. Well, not, no ranting, just raving about, you know, Ichabod <laughs> portion of this. And I love it. I give it four and a half stars for that section just because the music is so perfect. The songs, I love that Bing Crosby basically is the, you know, the narrator and the singer and, and all the voices of the characters in between. It's so cool. Um, re- very visually dark at the end, but funny in the middle. Like it, it builds it up very well. And I, I think it's great. Mr. Toad, on the other hand, I just, I struggle <laughs> a lot with, with Mr. Toad and it, it, I was honestly like just disinterested and I, I wasn't into it. So I would even give that two stars. I, I know people love it, but I don't. And so I'm just going to round it out and give it three. Mr. Toad really brings it down as a collectively, but 4.5 for Ichabod. All right. All right. I'll do, um, I'll do three stars for like the whole thing. That's like, that'll be the average rating for it. I, I really, I don't know. I thought the two films were, were very different and I was pretty entertained by, um, by Mr. Toad. It was it just, I mean, it wasn't too terribly good. It was just funny to watch like how far Toad would go in his like crime spree. And then, um, of course, uh, some really funny animation with uh, Ichabod versus Brom Bones, and then uh, the ending sequence, just you know, with the, the scary, the scary horse ride home from the frolic, um, totally made it worth it. And uh, so, yeah, three stars. It's the new schoolmaster. What's his name? Ichabod. Ichabod Crane. Ichabod. What a name. Kind of odd. But nice, just the same. All right, we are moving on to the mailbag. Our first one is from, you guessed it, Joshua K. He says, hi, Roto Spookers. Happy Halloween. And you guys are doing just the right one in time for the holiday. Tough I haven't seen it yet. I do have some things to say for this movie. I've seen clips of the Sleepy Hollow segment, and I have to say, what an unexpected dark tone. Literally, I do not picture a headless horseman when I think of classic Disney, unless it was a live-action movie. 
Anyway, I like the characters of the Mr. Toad segment. Now, this is what I think when I hear the name Disney. I really think this should have gone, had its own movie. Because it feels like they like the characters. But they also wanted to put Sleepy Hollow. I'm not saying the Sleepy Hollow segment was bad. And also, I'm just putting this out there. Ichabod is kind of an unappealing character because he was only wanted to marry her to be rich. Who does that? Anyway, I'm not saying this is a bad short, but it just feels creepy seeing Mr. Toad in the gang. And then you see the Headless Horseman. Also, the library is a bit creepy if you just see the books float. It's like a ghost telling you the stories. Anyway, from what I saw, I'm giving this twisted movie a 3.5 out of 5 pumpkin heads. Also, I have a question for you guys. What is your favorite anime movie to watch to make you feel happy? Anyways, I'm out. You ghouls rule. <laughs> ha, Josh we ghouls again. rule. <laughs> favorite what anime is a, movie? Yeah. Oh, that's... Uh, probably Robin Hood. Did he ask Disney? What is your it's favorite whatever. animated favorite movie that anime you watch movie. to make you happy? Mm-hmm. Okay, if it's if it's not Surf's Up, it's usually Robin Hood. <laughs> Surf's Up is my feel-good animated movie. <laughs> Surf's Up is very underappreciated. Hmm, what about you, Chelsea? Oh, to make me happy, I would say... Well, Sleeping... Or no, I'm sorry, Beauty and the Beast is one that I can just pop in all the time. Yeah, for me, um, Enchanted, even though it's not necessarily a feel-good movie, but when I watch that, I feel and really happy. It doesn't happy. count. It's half animated, and I really, really like the animated segment. It is very uh, good. Other feel-good movies, Hercules. I yes. love Hercules. Always. It always makes me very, very on, you know, on cloud nine. Mark says, hey, Rotoscopers, if Disney had had the money and resources to make either segment, Mr. Toad or Ichabod, a full-length animated feature, which of the two would you want it to be? I personally prefer the Mr. Toad segment over the Ichabod Crane segment, hence I'd love to see a full-length animated Disney film based on the Wind of the Willows. Love, Mark. <laughs> uh, Mark, I don't know. Um, Let's see. Let's see. I'd probably, I don't know. Mr. I Toad have- seems like it, you'd have more fun with it. Because it'd be kind of entertaining just to see how far how far gone Mr. Toad can get and just how deep he can get in trouble. <laughs> so that would be cool. Like a bad boy, huh? Yeah. What you gonna do? I think they yeah. should have done the Ichabod Crane in association with Laika. Oh, Throw yes. a whole, like, um, basically it would just be a, another um, corpse bride. But I think it'd be awesome. I would love to see the Ichabod Crane segment um, expanded out. Personally, Ooh. as you know from my review, I'm not really a fan of Mr. Toad. I find that film just hard to follow personally. So I don't need any more of that. But Ichabod, uh, it's to me too short. And they totally, could, I think, could expand it to make it a bit longer and, um, you know, a bit more character development with Katrina and Ichabod and Brom and, and maybe a little bit more there. I don't know if they could extend it and keep just um, being Crosby singing, although I would be interested in seeing how that plays out. But I think it works with him as a short, you know, because it's, it's a short and then we're done. So it's not we're not overusing him. Hi, guys. I wanted to write a quick email because I felt I had to tell you this probably unnecessary information. At the start of your dinosaur episode, I heard you mention that it's not included as a Disney classic in the UK. Obviously, I had to have a say in the matter. My first thought was, whoa, 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 whoa. Yes, it is. What are you saying? What else could number 39 be? People used to include The Wild, which isn't an actual animated Disney film. But I think I figured it out. And I think I answered a question dilemma that's been bothering me for a while. UK Disney DVD slash Blu-rays do not include dinosaurs and just move the following animated films up a number from the list, leaving there to be 52 animated films in the Disney canon. I call the Disney classics the canon. 
This would answer the question as to why on Earth Frozen is labeled the 52nd animated feature on my Blu-ray. My first assumption was that Disney doesn't count 2011's Winnie the Pooh within the canon, which really would have angered me. But if what you say is true, Dinosaur is the one that's been left out. I couldn't tell you if you're right or wrong. I've rarely seen a DVD of Dinosaur in any entertainment stores near me. Just wanted to tell you. Smiley face. Can't wait for your future episodes. And if you're going to go with the Chinese Zodiac themes, I'd love to hear you cover the goat and snakes theme. A couple of suggestions off the top of my head with some other Chinese Zodiac characters. Ox can also be cows, home on the range. Tiger, the Tiger movie. Macy could do the entire episode as Jim Cummings. (laughs) Well. Rabbit, Watership Down. Though, don't do this one because that means I'll actually have to watch it. Pig, Charlotte's Web, or Animal Farm for more mature suggestion. Monkey, all I can think of right now is the new Planet of the Apes films. You could also do The Jungle Book. That is a snake and a tiger in it, too. Rooster, you could do Rockadoodle again. (laughs) 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 Of all the episodes that we could repeat, why would we do Rockadoodle? Sorry, Don No, this is Gemma. She's like, it only made (laughs) $12,000. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> I remember from the best of whatever episode, yeah. Episode three. <laughs> Failing that, you could review anime's Fruits Basket. It's twenty six ep- it's twenty six episodes, but they but they're really easy to get through because nothing happens in them. Or failing that, you could just review the Kung Fu Panda films. Keep up the great Ooh. work, guys. This was meant to be an email about the whole dinosaur thing, but I got carried away, Gemma. We really need to do Kung Fu Panda. Yes, we do. Tiger series next. We can do a also, Tiger series. Do you remember that game we played when I made up uh, premises for anime series? And you had to guess <laughs> oh, if yes. it was if you yes. had to get you had to guess if it was a real anime or wasn't. Fruits Basket was one of them. Nice. <laughs> I <remember> that. <laughs> We really don't do enough anime, but it's so hard to tell. We're we're semi biased to Disney Pixar. This next email is from Catherine. She says, hi, guys. My name is Catherine, and I am a 14-year-old in Australia. Oh, wait. I needed to change. Uh, crikey, mate. My name is Catherine. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sure she appreciates that. <laughs> I started listening. <laughs> I recently started listening, and there are some views that I wish to share. I have thinned it down to these ones as I have many views on many of your podcasts. Excuse the mistakes I make as I am writing this at 12 a.m. while listening to your dinosaur episode. I have no views on this film as I have not seen it. Wow, dinosaur episode is getting around. This is kind of long, so feel free to skip to your favorites. Tintin, love, 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 love this movie. I've been a fan of Tintin since I was eight when my dad gave me The Crab with the Golden Claws. The book. I have the DVDs of the TV series, and I've read all the books. I like how they changed the movie and adapt it, but am sad that they left out Professor Calculus, as he would have added a more comic relief to the action of the film. I'm hoping there's a sequel, because uh, he still has a chance of coming in. Frozen. Okay, this was a great film that my brother actually wanted me to see. I preferred it over Tangled, because there was more depth in the story, if you say so, and was a bit more serious. I am Team Elsa because of her depth, and also Anna uh, is kind of annoying with her persistent, oh, no one likes me to be alone, ooh. I'm an introvert, so I can understand wanting to be alone. Also, Anna bothered Anna. Sorry, Anna bothered me in the first time in forever. I don't know if I'm elated or gassy and jumping on the couch. I mean, the couches are meant to be, are, are about to be about to be seen. Don't don't want to ruin them. This is I think this is incredibly well done. And uh, this came out on Christmas Eve. It was a fabulous finishing touch to a fantastic year. I know you don't enjoy suggestions, but <laughs> who says we don't enjoy suggestions? But <laughs> maybe I said something on some episode. No suggestions, <laughs> please. You ruined it. You probably did. Oh. Oh, We've learned sorry. our lesson, people. We're nice again. Soiled it. Soiled <laughs> it. But can, she says, uh, can you please, please do the Lego movie? And 
who framed Roger Rabbit? I really want to know how they do this. Um, thank you so much for this podcast. I've learned so, so much, and I laugh along the way. Only few people know the feeling of being able to spit out a fact and everyone to want to know more, and you just being like the smartest person in the room. Uh, I, I, I know exactly what you mean. Not many people know how we feel being the smartest people in the room. Again, I apologize for the amount of sense this might make, and you know the time, as I stated before. Love, Catherine. Thanks, Catherine, and I really hope you got a good night's sleep because some of that email was was very 12 a.m., and 12 a.m. in Australia is like, cool, it's like 5 a.m. So uh, I feel for you. Um, Catherine, thank you so much for um, such a, a heartfelt email. And, um, of course, I we really want to do Who Friend Roger Rabbit. We, we always talk about it and we quote it. I agree with a lot of your views. Like, I think they should have let in Professor Calculus and Tintin. I was bewildered why they didn't have them, him. And then uh, Lego Movie, we try not to do um, newer films. Uh, on the podcast, we we like to save them for later. Maybe but we have plenty of YouTube videos. On that. Because I was thinking about it. Like, I was yeah. telling people, oh, well, we don't like to do new films because we don't really have an opinion on them and we've only seen them once. And then we do movies like The Quest for Camelot, you know, where one or none of us have seen it. We still have an opinion on the film. <laughs> and I still think those episodes are quite good. So who knows? Maybe we'll have to, in 2015, start doing new ones. Oh, we could do like a, a countdown or something. I don't know. I don't know. We'll brainstorm. All right, our next one comes to us from Simba's Guard. Simba's Guard. Simba's Guard. (laughs) And he says, Dear Rotoscopers, I just wanted to congratulate you on another excellent podcast. Well, thank you. I always enjoy learning new things about movies I love. And I was amazed to find out that Don Bluth was originally going to direct Ice Age. In some cases, I am even persuaded to give animated movies I passed on viewing a second chance. No, not to sound adversarial um, to any other of my fellow animation fans, but when I like a franchise, I welcome well-made sequels because I get to, because I get to see the characters that I'm, I'm so fond of. Again, I have thoroughly enjoyed every Ice Age sequel, and I felt the fourth one was the best of the series. I was absolutely thrilled to hear that Ice Age 5 was going to be greenlit. As for Ice Age becoming a theatrical land before time, I don't see it that way. The shortest amount of time between Ice Age sequels was three years. By the time Ice Age 5 is released, it will have been four years since the Ice Age 4 was released, whereas the longest gap between Land Before Time sequels was one year. I don't feel oversaturated with Ice Age sequels as I did with Land Before Time. I hope at some point in the future you guys consider doing Ice Age sequels, because I can safely say that unlike most of the Land Before Time sequels, the Ice Age sequels are worth seeing sincerely tony aka simba's guard um you know what i i'm glad to hear that that these were that a lot of the ice age sequels were a lot better and and that's actually something that i i noticed with a couple other series um for example um what was the one that what was the one morgan that we went and saw the penguins and the jugglers madagascar 3 yeah madagascar 3 like that was like the first one, I did not like. The second one, it was like, it was better. It was okay. And the third one, I actually enjoyed. You know, so if it's something like that, then I can totally get, a, I, I'm happy with. Um, but if it's something like, but I don't know if I ever, I don't, I don't know if I really gravitated as much to the Ice Age, but I'm glad to see a lot of people have. This one is from Ariane. And she says, Dear Rotoscopers, I've been a long-time listener of your podcast, and I have to say I really like your new concept of doing a series of episodes based on a theme. I actually have a suggestion for your Dragons and Dinosaur series, Studio Ghibli's Tales from Earthsea. Oh, yeah. 
Although being a huge Disney fan, Studio Ghibli is definitely my second favorite animation studio. I remember this film especially because it was actually the first Ghibli film that I was able to see in the theater when it came out in 2006. Unfortunately, they were not very big on showing these films on the big screen in the Netherlands before that year. I'm assuming you're from the Netherlands. I think this was the first Studio Ghibli film not directed by Hayao Miyazaki, and nevertheless, it's definitely in my top five. I won't spoil the story for you, but dragons are part of the, are a major plot point. I hope you will consider reviewing this movie because we haven't yet seen a lot of dragon movies so far. Keep up the good work, and I can't wait for your Sleeping Beauty episode. Love, Ariane. P.S. I just uh, listened to your Ice Age episode, and just in case you're interested, the road trip song you were talking about is called Send Me On My Way by Rusted Root. I love this song ever since I heard it on the Matilda movie. Oh, yeah, there it is, Matilda again. Smashing, Ariane. That's my wild thorn. That's my Nigel Thornberry. Oh, nice. <laughs> I was wondering what you were doing. I'm like, I don't think that's cool to make fun of. I'm Nigel Stone, Yeah, Tales from Earthsea was on Netflix like two or three years ago, and um, I passed up the chance to watch it, and I regret it because it's not on there anymore, I don't think. Aww. So, yeah, I that's one that I need to, um, you know, that's another notch I need to put in my lipstick case. <laughs> and... Um, and knock out all those Studio Ghibli films. But yeah, Tales of Versi is a pretty good one. It's a good dragon one, I guess. I'm, I'm, it is kind of sad that we didn't actually do a lot of dragon movies in our Dinos and Dragon series. Well, cause we, we snuck in the drag, the dinos. <laughs> Maybe we should have just done dragons, but they're kind of the same. Yeah, they're in there. I, I mean, I liked the series. It was great. We'll go back to them, and we'll have fun. Well, all right, guys. Thanks for joining us on our mailbag segment. Really appreciate it. If you're interested in sending us an email, please send it to contact at rotoscopers.com. You can also check out our voicemail segment because voicemails make my heart grow fonder um, at rotoscopers.com slash voicemails. And you can call us at 406-646-6575. Make sure to head on over to amazon.com or better yet, rotoscopers.com slash amazon to be able to purchase anything that you want. And I'm serious, really anything. And you can also head on over to Audible. Audible is my best friend, seriously. I have learned so many cool things. I've read so many different books, and it is one of my best friends. And on Audible, you can not you always get free books, but right now you can get the audio version of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow for free on you can go to Amazon, you can use our Amazon link. I'll include the link in the show notes, but it's a free book anyway, but so don't use that as your free book because it's already free. But uh, yeah, check it out if you want to hear the original Ichabod train story. That's the place to go. And hey, don't forget about the Rotoscopers t-shirts. We still have t-shirts and I want to get rid of these. <laughs> hey. Maybe they're waiting on an outlet price or something like that. Christmas. We got to have a Christmas oh, yeah, yeah. deal. Oh, we got to have a Christmas. <laughs> Seriously, we have Christmas and all of Hanukkah and, you know, Festivus for the rest of us. Whatever you're celebrating, you need to buy a Rotoscopers t-shirt for the ones you love. Should and we do a promo code for this for Halloween? Yeah, let's do it. Rotoween. If you don't know how to spell that, it's R-O-T-O-W-E-E-N. Rotoween. $5 off. Also, if you decide to go on social media and you're starting to tweet about this episode... 
Always use the hashtag animatics. And if you want to, and if you want to tweet about this specific episode, type in hashtag animatics78. And make sure to head over to rotoscopers.com slash 78 for all the show notes, links, and more. You can find us on Hypable and Animated Views. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And if you like the show, please give us feedback because, I mean, there's been a couple new feedbacks up there as of late. And thank you, thank you, thank you to you guys. You guys are, I, I feel so warm and fuzzy every time I go in there. It makes my job, the fact that I don't get a lot of sleep some nights, it makes it all better. So thank you for doing that. Individually, you can find us Morgan Straddling on Twitter. I am Chelsea Robson at tw- on Twitter, and Mason is at Mason SMTX on Twitter. And you can also find us all on Instagram. Yeah, we so, are all on Instagram. So I know everyone's on the Instagram these days. Um, speaking of oh, our yeah. social media, we're rotoscopers on all the social media, but. Every social media app, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we post completely different stuff. Like, it really bothers me when people just mass post the same thing. Like, occasionally we'll, you know, have a news article that we put on both because it's, like, really big news story. But mostly the stuff that's on our Facebook is different than what's on our Twitter. You know, our Twitter, I'll just, I, I'm in charge of that. And it's just, like, all news, like, all animation news, including news from our site, from other sites. Like, definitely check that out. Instagram, we take a lot of photos of, you know, new things that we're going to be reviewing and screen caps and just funny stuff that, you know, animation related that we hit. And uh, Myra was recently at New York Comic Con. And so she's took over the Rotoscopers Instagram and took a ton of photos from that. So definitely, like, subscribe. You can go to rotoscopers.com, and on the right-hand side, on the sidebar, there's a link to all of our really cool social media stuff. So do it. It's what all the cool kids are doing. All right. Our next episode is long-awaited, especially by Mason, because, you know, well, no, wait, this is the one that he really wanted. <laughs> um, our next episode is American Tale. So get ready for that. Send your voicemails, because we don't have enough voicemails about that movie. All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. This was a great episode. I really enjoyed it. Until next time, guys. We are the Rotoscopers. You mean Rotoscopers. Give him a thunder tube. Thunder tube that, Chels? Yeah. <laughs> Mason, don't have to talk over it. All right, I have an opening Halloween monologue. I knew you would. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know that this in is the, my favorite episode of the year. In the best way possible, I knew that you would. <laughs> Thank you for that disclaimer. I was going to buy a Sailor Venus costume from China, but I waited too long. And then by the time I was going to order, they were out on vacation or something, so I couldn't order it because it's like, you'll have a delay in your order. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. well, this is what happens when you wait two weeks before. <laughs> oh, I had you pegged as a Venus. A friend of mine just ordered a Hans outfit from somebody he knows in China. I was like, okay. Ah. <laughs> so, was frozen belgia belgia belgium that, oh god belgium no. hey isn't that that belgia country where you get the wafers it's close to there all right no. bobby belgia is only good for two things for its pan- for its waffles and for its chocolate you don't need to know anything else about belgia just propane anyway be right back i really have to go Oh, Proceed. That's embarrassing. Ivana Tinkle. Is there an Ivana Tinkle here? <laughs> yes, Mason with the Simpsons quote. I know! <laughs> I'm like, Mason, Woo-hoo! have you been watching anyway, Simpsons lately? No, that's the only quote I know from the Simpsons ever. Seriously? Oh.
Boom, an onion. Anyway. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. I recently... <laughs> All right, all right. One, one, two, three. I recently. <laughs> sorry, my voice cracked. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Catherine. Okay. <laughs> just mute it. I can't, I'm going to feed off your laughter. Who who talks the fastest out of us? I can do it. Morgan. Fun and Chelsea, I figured out how to get cheaper international shipping. Oh, uh, really? The lady at the post office was like, uh, why are you shipping using priority? That's expensive. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, well, first class, you can only do 13 ounces. She's like, yeah, but international first class, you can do up to four pounds. I'm like, what? Ladies and gentlemen, a post office worker who's actually useful. <laughs> so, Chelsea, now we Give can that ship woman our- a medal. <laughs> we can ship our international packages using first class. You can use our normal envelopes that we ship them in. Oh, nice. And they're going to be way cheaper. So... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, guys. International shippers. Now is your time to purchase. No more $25. It's really cheap. Sell, sell, sell. Everything must be gone. (laughs) What's our next episode? It's going to be an American tale. Oh, yeah. France rat, right? Well, American tale, which we already recorded. Oh, Because this one's going before. Yeah. Because I was kicking and screaming until we did our Halloween episode. Right. (laughs) That was me. Just gather around and I'll elucidate on what goes on outside when it gets late. Long about midnight, the ghosts and banshees, they get together for their nightly jamboree. There's things with horns and saucer eyes, some with fangs about this side. Some are fat and some are thin. And some don't even wear their skin. Oh, I'm telling you, brother, it's a frightful sight to see what goes on Halloween night. <laughs> I went to heaven in a jamboree. They break it up with English glee. Ghosts are bad, but the one that's cursed is the headless horseman. He's the worst. That's why he's the kind on Halloween night. But when he goes to jogging across the land, in his hand. Demons take one look and groan and hit the road from far to Beware, take care, he rides along. And there's no spook like spook burn. Ain't gone like him and he's really burnt. He swears to the longest day he's dead. He'll show them that he can get ahead. They say he's tired of his flaming top. He's got a yen to make a swap. So he rides one night each year to find a head in the hollow here. Now he likes the middle, he likes the big. Or in the middle or awake. Black or white or even red. The headless horseman, he's ahead with a kick, hip, and a clippity clap. He's out looking for a cotton chop, so don't stop and figure out a plan. You can't reason with a headless man. Now, if you doubt this tale is so, I met that spook just a year ago. Now, I didn't stop for a second look. Made for the bridge that spans the brook. But once you cross that bridge, my friend, so when you're riding home tonight, make for the bridge with all your might. He'll be down in the hollow there. Beneath your head, look out, beware. With a hip, hip, and a clippity clop, he's down looking for a head to swap. 
so don't try to figure out a plan. You can't read the weather at 